Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to open them up to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, entire worship team. Praise the Lord. Go ahead. The book of Isaiah, chapter 9, if you will. Father, thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, Father. May we grow in the grace and the knowledge of your son, Father. In this coming Advent of Christmas that is here, Advent means the arrival. Advent means the arrival or the coming. And we're now just six days, six days away from Christmas. And what a glorious time this is every year where we set apart actually to honor and worship the Lord coming in flesh and the miracle of his birth in the earth. We set apart this time to honor his birth, honor the revelation of the love of the Father giving his only beloved son, his treasure. But what we also do during this year, this time of year, is we also look And we await with great anticipation of the return of our Lord as well. He is coming for his chosen ones, his beloved ones, his bride. I tell you, my friends, Jesus will come just as he promised. He will come just as he promised. He is coming. And there is a cry within the spirit and the bride of Maranatha that is saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. So with that in mind, with the advent, which means the coming, the coming of the Lord, I ask you tonight, are you ready for Christmas? (laughs) Now, when I say, are you ready for Christmas, I'm not asking you, are you done with your shopping? Have you bought your turkey? Have you bought your pies? (laughs) Are you ready for the triumphant return of King Jesus? Hmm. You know, how, how many of you have heard about this phenomenon of the Christmas star that is about to manifest two nights from now? How many? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. That's the majority of us. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? It's very fascinating about the alignment of uh, Jupiter and Saturn Coming into alignment, I did a little bit of research on this. It's interesting. It says, how often do these two planets come that close? Some websites have said that it's been nearly 400 years, while others say it's been almost 800 years. And it says, indeed, the last time these two planets appeared so closely was on July, uh, July 16th, 1623. And it says when they were only five arc minutes apart from one another. Gosh, that's actually 397 years ago. Think of that. Well, it has my attention. Does it have your attention? Just signs in the heavens. Signs in the heaven. It makes me curious. It also makes you look up. (laughs) And that's key. You know, Jesus said that. How many of you remember that? It makes you look up. 
Here's a mighty prophecy. We're in the book of Isaiah chapter 9. You're there tonight. This prophecy was released concerning Jesus' arrival, the advent of the arrival of Jesus, 730 years before Jesus would be born. A miracle birth. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, say it with me tonight, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Oh, that's the heart of God right there. Did you see that? To order it and establish it with judgment and justice. Let me tell you, folks, God's into judgment and justice. God is into righteousness. God is into what is perfect and right. The Bible says in Psalm 89, verse 14, it says that the very foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. And from that time forward and forevermore, and the zeal, I love how this finishes out, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Notice that. It's going to be all an act of God because he's the one who gets all the credit and the glory. He's the one who does it. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's going to receive all the glory. You look back in Isaiah chapter 7, just a few pages back, or about page 900 and, uh, no, I'm kidding. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, a sign. Behold, the virgin shall be conceived, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Sometimes we read these words, we just gloss over them because we've quoted them so many times. We know these, these wild, awesome words, but look at it again. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Remember, it's going to be the zeal of the Lord that's going to accomplish this. So the Lord releases a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, we all understand what a virgin is, and the church said, yes, we do. What a wild prophecy. Can we just say that tonight? This is a wild prophecy. Can you imagine hearing this from the Holy Spirit and him telling you to proclaim this? Do I have any brave souls out there tonight? Come on, do I have any brave souls out there tonight? Can you imagine hearing this? From the Lord, and the Lord saying, I want you to be my messenger, and I want you to decree this thing into the earth, what I'm about to do. Isaiah, I want you to stand in the earth and decree on earth as it is in heaven. It is already settled in heaven. I will give everything that I have to give in the consummation of my beloved son. I'm going to give you my son. I'm going to give you all that I have to give, the very centerpiece of heaven. And he's going to come through a virgin. Wow. It makes no sense to the natural mind. It makes no sense to reason. It makes no sense to logic. 
It's the true prophetic nature of God that goes against the grain of what makes sense. Are you hearing me tonight? The prophetic nature of God, because nothing is impossible with God. Where we think it's dead ends, God's laughing and saying, no, I am the way. Are you hearing me tonight? The prophetic, it blows through our natural understanding, our reason, our logic. John chapter 1, the gospel of John in the New Testament John chapter 1, it says that Jesus is called the eternal word. He is the eternal word. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Whoo! In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Isn't that amazing? And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not comprehend it. Woo! Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Oh, I love that. The Word became a living, breathing soul in the earth. He took on flesh. The God-man, the heavenly man, the heavenly man took on incarnation. He took on flesh and came into this earth realm. But He came into the earth so that we would know the great love of our Father. That we would know the all-consuming, immeasurable, oceans deep love of our Father. That's why Jesus was commissioned from heaven to reveal the Father. For God so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son. For unto us a Son shall be given. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Hallelujah. Come on, shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. How great is this love? How great is this love? We are still learning how great. We are still experientially coming into understanding how great this grace and this love is. The treasure of Jesus being given from the Father. I'm giving you my beloved Son all that I have to give. And Jesus would say over and over, He would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, I've come to reveal my Father. Mm, this is awesome. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, you can throw it in your notes tonight. It says that Jesus is the express image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He's the express image of the invisible God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, my, that's powerful. 
Wow. And the prophet said, his name, you will know him as this, Emmanuel, meaning God with us in the midst of us. Now, the advent is what? The advent is the arrival of Jesus. I want you to see this tonight. Here's a reality that has been permanently fixed, forever established through the Scriptures. That Jesus is the Son of God, yet He's the Son of Man. Amen? He's not only the Son of God, He's the Son of Man in divinity and also in His own humanity. We know scripturally He is also called the Son of David and the Son of Abraham. Many many would call out to Jesus as He was passing through the Galilee, and they would cry out, Thou Son of David! Thou Son of David! Remember this? Have mercy on me. Well, they weren't looking for Solomon, right? Son of David meaning Solomon. They, they, they were looking beyond. They weren't looking for Solomon to appear. One greater than Solomon had appeared. And they were crying out in Revelation knowing there's the son of David, the Messiah, the one that we've been waiting on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what the Lord is saying? He's the son of God. He's the son of man. He's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. But he is forever the son of God and son of man. How? In his divinity and in his humanity. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. It says that Jesus forever lives at the right hand of God. Notice this. It says Christ Jesus Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Woo, isn't that awesome? In divinity, in humanity, meaning forever, forever, Jesus will be God eternally. And in his humanity eternally, he will be forever man. He's the God-man. It's a unity of one. Now, why, why is this point actually important tonight that I'm taking time on it? That he is 100% God, yet he's 100% man. Because Jesus was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. We've heard the Christmas story over and over and over again, we've seen the pageantry. My family was just at the pageantry again over at the Tabernacle Church. When I was, what city was I in that night? Was that Pittsburgh or was that Atlanta? Atlanta? We've all seen these, the pageantry, the scriptures, the verses. But what we have to dig into tonight for fresh revelation is this. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. Folks, that, that, that should make us stand at all. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He wasn't conceived with the sin nature. He was conceived by the Spirit of God. He had to be perfectly human. And he had to be the sinless Lamb of God, the one without spot, the one without blemish. So why? So that he could endure the wrath and the punishment that God the Father would place on him that was due to you and I. 
Jesus had to be perfect in every way before his father. So that sin could be dealt a demolition blow. So that sin could be forever defied and crucified to that tree and cursed for us. So that we could be free from the torment of sin. He was perfect in every way. He was sinless. He was totally God, totally man. Totally God, totally man. Perfect in every way. Isaiah was the one, the same prophet that we've been reading. He was the one who said these most beautiful words. Come now. He says, this is the words of our father. Come now and let us, let us talk about this. When he says, let us reason together, he says, come now. It's just like a good dad. Come down here and just sit with me. And let us, let us reason together. And here's my deal. My deal is, though your sins be as scarlet, I'm going to wash you whiter than snow. That's our God. In Psalm 49, Psalm 49 tells us that there was no man that could fulfill this. No man could fulfill this sacrifice. And that is why God had to incarnate himself. The word had to become flesh, meaning the word had to become a man. God had to put on flesh and become the God-man. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to look at this. 1 Timothy, it's probably behind me. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, for there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Did you guys see that? Let's read it again. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I want you to notice the way that the Apostle Paul writes this, Christ Jesus. Not as Jesus the Christ. I think we all understand that Christ is not Jesus' last name. How, do, how many of you know that, Right? It means the anointed one. But notice what he said. It is Christ Jesus. What is he doing? He is pointing to the emphasis of the eternal one, Jesus being eternal. He was with God in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And all things that were made were made through him. Notice the emphasis that Paul is giving here. It is the man, Christ Jesus, the man, the burning man, the God-man. Hallelujah. And it is this man in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where it says from the very beginning, it would be this man that would come forth from the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. My next point tonight, look at this. The miraculous conception. The miraculous conception. <laughs> we live in a society right now. We live in a culture right now. 2020. We live in a wild time. But we live in a time where they have all dismissed and renounced the miraculous. 
The idea of the miraculous. The, actually, the idea of the supernatural is something that the world likes to fantasize about or even go into the dark side of the supernatural. You can flip on all kinds of channels and there's shows about the wild paranoia or, uh, you know, these, these things that the ghosts and sides, sides moving through houses. And people are so trapped in that. They love to just fixate on those shows. You know what I'm talking about? They love that realm of the supernatural. But what seems when it comes to Jesus and when it comes to the church, people have lost the whole idea of the supernatural power of God being put on display. Yet in Luke chapter 1, what we see is it was a supernatural overshadowing, overtaking of Mary. Where Mary began to participate with faith to have the Son of God birth in her. It is the work of miracles. It's what God does. It's what he specializes in. Works of miracles. Interventions of God. Now I'm reading out of Luke chapter 1, and I'm in the Passion Translation tonight. You're welcome, Kathy. The Passion Translation. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. Is it behind me? Are we there? Let's go. During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of the king of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and he said, "Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you." And you are anointed with great favor. And Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angels and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear. Oh, I love that. Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you. For the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> For the Lord delights in you and he's chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. And you will become pregnant with a baby boy. And you will name him Jesus. He will be supreme and he will be known as the son of the highest and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. And he will reign as king of Israel forever. And his reign will have no limits. Isn't that awesome? Mary said, but how can this happen? Actually, before I read verse 34, let's read verse 33 one more time. He will reign as king of Israel forever. And his reign will have no limits. Do you think we're getting close to this? How close do you think we're getting to this right here? The reigning of Jesus on the throne of David in Jerusalem, where it will be on earth as it is in heaven, where we will move into the dawning of the kingdom age coming to the earth. I believe we're going to see it in our lifetime. I believe we're going to see it in our lifetime. It's beyond our wildest imagination, isn't it? Jesus will come just as he promised. 
Every promise of God is true. Amen. Mary said, but how can this happen? How can this happen? I'm still a virgin. Gabriel answered, the spirit of holiness will fall upon you. And almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy. He will be called the son of God. What's more, your, your aged aunt, Elizabeth, she also has become pregnant with a son. The barren one is now in her sixth month. Read this verse with me tonight. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Read that again. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Read it again. Say it again. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Boy, that's powerful. Then Mary responded, this is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. I will be the mother for our Lord. As, this, as his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything that you have told me now come to pass. And the angel left her. Wow. Now, back to this Isaiah 714. 730 years before Jesus would be born to Mary and Joseph in a barn, a stable, resting in a manger, under a miracle star. He says, for the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel. I want to talk for a little bit about this miracle birth, but also about the working of angels for the next few moments. One of the great pillars of Christianity is this. It is the fact of the virgin's divine conception. Now, today in 2020, we know that the virgin birth is highly mocked. How many of you know that? How many of you are still, you're not asleep in here. Are you with me tonight? How many of you know that the virgin, you can talk to me, please. I'm way up here on the stage, way, way up here. The virgin birth is mocked. It's debated by atheists, it's debated by agnostics, and it's considered by many to be very foolish and to be very narrow-minded if you believe in the virgin birth. Can I just tell you that I, I must be narrow-minded? <laughs> I'm Brian Gibbs, and I approve this message. I am narrow-minded. Are you hearing this tonight? The argument over the last two, about 200 years, is it's been called this, anti-supernaturalism, anti-supernaturalism. And it states that God doesn't move outside of the laws of nature, and God doesn't move outside of the laws of physics. Are you hearing me tonight? What does that mean? Kind of like Jesus breaking the law of gravity, stepping onto the sea of Galilee and walking out to his disciples there on the boat in the middle of a storm. What did he do? He literally broke the physical laws, the physical law of gravity. And yet we're in an era right now of science. We're, we're in the, the intellectual age, the enlightened intellectual age of science. 
where people say, no, God doesn't reveal himself like that any longer. God can't break laws of nature, laws of physics, laws of science. But here we have God saying, I'm going to release something in the earth that flesh and fleshly power cannot generate. What you've never conceived could actually be done. What many will mock and say, and I, you need to be hearing this prophetically, folks. I'm not just talking right now in this season to you about the Christmas story. What the natural mind is mocking and saying cannot be done. God is the one who still steps in in interventions and delivers his will. And it's not based on men's flesh, their strength, their ability, their power. When you've done all you can do to stand, you you just stand steadfast and you believe the word of the Lord. And that is why Mary, Mary is a hero. Mary is an example to us because she said, I will believe the word of the Lord. And what, whatever you desire, however you desire to use me, to write me into this story, I will be one that says, yes, write me into this story of wonders. Write me into this, this wonderful story of the supernatural. My answer is yes. It's awesome. It's awesome. I've said this many times. There was nothing in the natural that Mary could do to bring this miracle into reality. There are miracles that are awaiting every one of your lives. There are... There are miracles awaiting every one of your lives, our lives, me and Bren's life, Josiah, Victoria. There are miracles ahead of you in your story that God has already preordained. I'm going to have to come off the stage and get you tonight. There are miracles that God has preordained that he has written in heaven over your life, in your story. And there are some things in the natural you have nothing to add to the scenario except I believe. There isn't anything that we really add to the whole equation of it. There are things in our story we're going to be able, we're not going to be able to add anything in the natural. No strength, no ability, no wisdom, no, no nothing except God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Is he still the God of miracles in 2020? Is he still going to be the God of miracles and wonders in 2021? And then you look at Joseph. It says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, it says, But while Joseph, he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. I want to encourage someone out here tonight to hear these words. Expect God's interventions in your life. Expect. Expect. 
God's miracle interventions in your life. See, if we deny the virgin birth, this is big. This is big. If we deny the virgin birth, and you are literally denying the, in, the incarnation of Jesus, Him becoming flesh, the Word becoming flesh. And the Apostle John tells us about this spirit that denies this revelation. It's found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, every spirit that does not, that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. One more time, let's look at it again. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Wow. Spirit of Antichrist. Next big point tonight. I want you to look at the reaction of those who received the prophetic word over their lives from the angel Gabriel. We see that Mary was deeply troubled. Joseph was deeply troubled. There was, a, there was uncertainty. There was turbulence. There was a level of fear, like of wonder. What, what does this mean? What is happening? What does this visitation mean? Where are we going with this? Angels appear on assignment to give many things. I'm going to give you a few tonight. Angels appear on assignment to give messages straight from the throne of God. That's the first one. They come to bring messages from the throne of God. You can look later if you want to put it in your notes in Genesis chapter 18. God sent three messengers to Abraham and Sarah with a message that that Sarah would bear a son in her old age. How, ladies, you remember the story? And she laughed. You remember that? She's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're getting up there, but no, you're going to have this son. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you with me? But he also came, the messengers also came with a warning of wrath that was about to be poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah. So angels come with messages straight from the throne of God. Next, angels come to protect and guard and fight for us. Aren't you excited about that? Angels come to, to protect and fight and guard you, to protect your children, to fight over your children, your grandchildren. Come on, are you with me? The angels of God are assigned over your life. You, you need to be freshly reminded that God has commissioned mighty, powerful, warring angels, messenger angels, ministry angels over you and your household. <laughs> Hallelujah. This gets me excited. I love this. I love to think about the angels that God has assigned to Brian and Bren and Josiah and Victoria, our family, and His will. I love it. Psalm 91 in verse 11, we know it well. Or maybe it's new to you, and that's okay. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. See, I believe this. How many of you believe this? Well, it's because you're narrow-minded. <laughs> angels come to serve believers. 
to minister to those who are hurting and need strength. For some people, this Christmas will be the first Christmas without some loved ones. Angels come to minister strength, to minister to those who are in need, to minister to those who are hurting. You know, that angels came and actually ministered unto Jesus in the the Garden of Gethsemane. Such a powerful story. It's found in Luke 22, verse 43. It says that an angel was sent to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then the angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. Isn't that powerful? There Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I've been there. And Gethsemane means the oil press, the oil press. Jesus was in the press of intercession so strong that he was, he was literally weeping blood out of his body. It's the first place where the blood of Jesus came out and touched the earth. And an angel was released and ministered unto Jesus. The way I see that in, in my anointed imagination I believe the angel came and just put his hands right on Jesus and strengthened him. I want to encourage you when you're hurting, when you're hurting, when you feel like you're alone, when you're feeling brokenness in your life and in your world, and no one is exempt from it. Every I look at this crowd, and all of us have lived long enough to understand this is true. When you are hurting, when you feel alone, When you are broken, I want you to say these prayers. Lord, may your Holy Spirit minister to me deep in the depth of my spirit and my soulless realm and in my body. And Lord, commission your mighty angels to come and strengthen me and minister to me and gird me up. Envelop me and surround me like a wall of fire. Put your angels around me and let me be strengthened and energized afresh in your presence. That's the way you need to pray. Lord, send your angels. Come on, amen. Number four, angels are sent to execute God's judgments. Whoa. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Angels are sent to execute God's judgments. Judgments And honestly, to me, this is frightening to think about God sending angels to release judgments into the earth or woe into the earth. Judgments. We prayed earlier. God's righteous judgments are his mercy. Did you hear me? God's righteous judgments, they are his mercy. There's a difference. See, the way, that, the way that God deals with his children is not in the realm of punishment, but in chastisement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Chastisement is what God uses to redirect our hearts to a position or a place of humility and repentance. But when it comes to how he deals with those who are not in covenant concerning the wicked, it is judgment it is wrath. It is vengeance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Lord releases angels to loose judgments. And I've said this before, and I say it in the fear of the Lord. I believe we're about to see some major judgments right here in America that God is releasing. We are praying it. 
We are standing and decreeing it and declaring it because this wickedness can no longer rule here in the United States of America. We are the church that Jesus Christ is building. I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We have lived long enough in this hour that God has been building his church to groom us into those who are lambs now becoming lions, going through a transformation, learning how to pray, learning how to decree God's will into the earth realm as it is in heaven. I believe it's important that we continue to stand our ground and say, Lord, release your judgments over this nation. Zechariah, who, who's that? Zechariah was John the Baptist's dad. He was a high priest. That's amazing. He was a high priest. He was struck dumb, and he couldn't speak because of unbelief. And the angel did that. Remember, Mary's response was, how, how will this be? I mean, this uh, I've never been with a man. This, how's this going to materialize? How's this going to happen? Yet when Zacharias, when the, when the angel appeared to him, ministering at the tabernacle there, he was like, he, he didn't believe, and the angel was so ticked. Now, this should put the fear of the Lord in you, right? The angel was ticked. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord. I mean, that's sobering. Like, hey, hold on, Jack. Wait a second. I've just come from heaven with a message from the throne of God. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord from the very throne of God. And you're not going to believe what I've just said? Well, you're going to be mute. Wow. That's strong. But the principle remains the same. When we don't believe the word of the Lord, we will be silent. When we don't believe, we will be silent. When we don't believe, we won't have a voice. When we don't believe, we won't have a voice. That's why faith is voice activated. You have to believe it in your heart, and you have to say it with your mouth. That's Romans 10, 9, and 10. That's how we became born again. For it's with the heart man believes unto salvation, and it's with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. Faith has to be voice activated. Can I just get an amen? Can I just, can I get an amen over here? Can, can I get one over here? Praise the Lord. Honey, can I get a sugar cookie? I'm just kidding. I'll get one in a minute. <laughs> Angels are mighty. We grew up in a time, Brent, Brent, when we were growing up, Brent loved Amy Grant. She always sang the song, Angels Watching Over Me. Every move I make. How many of you girls know that song, ladies here? Angels watching over me. Angels watching over me. Angels are powerful, and angels are in our story. 
angels are right around you to bring forth the miracles that God has written into your story that you're about to apprehend. And you'll say, it was all God. To God be the glory. Look what God did. Angels will be intervening on your behalf. I love to look at this passage. This is a powerful passage. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19, and I'm looking at verse 35. This is when King Hezekiah, he's praying for deliverance for Israel from the Assyrian army and King Sennacherib. King Sennacherib. It's a mouthful. Not barbecue ribs, Sennacherib. Isaiah stands on the top of the walls of Jerusalem, and he declares, he cries out that not one arrow will come and be shot into Jerusalem. Verse 35, it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. <laughs> bad, bad of the bone. Yeah, I love that. I love it. And when the people arose early in the morning, read those words, there were their corpses all dead. One angel, one angel, 185,000 of the enemies of Israel. There were their corpses. I want you to get an image of this in your, in your mind tonight. As I'm standing up here, it says that Isaiah, he cried out, he stepped up. On the top of the walls of Jerusalem, overlooking the Kidron Valley and looking up on the Mount of Olives. And they were surrounded by the Assyrian army. King Sennacherib was the worst. When you read history about King Sennacherib, he was a brilliant mastermind of warfare. The, he, he invented weapons to torture, torture the people, or his enemies and the people of God. He was the one who impaled all of God's people up on the, the Mount of Olives where bodies were just out there rotting that they had captured. And so Isaiah prays, but he cries out. And that night he stands on the top of the walls and he declares, not one of your arrows will fly into this city. And the next morning they wake up. Imagine in the next morning stepping up there. And looking up over the Mount of Olives, all you see is dead bodies. I mean, just I mean, as far as the eye can see, all you see is dead bodies upon a mountain. That is sobering, folks. Wow. The intervention of God. Angels also protect the people of God, right? Throughout the book of Revelation, <clears throat> angels are released to announce judgment over nations. This is sobering stuff. Angels are released to, re are released to announce judgment over nations and the people on the earth. There's the final reason that God sends angels. There's probably many more, but I'm giving five tonight. And I'm going to look at the fifth one in just a second. But I want to go back to something Back to Mary's question to the angel for just a minute. And it's found in Luke chapter 1, verse 34. 
Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? That's a good question, isn't it? Sometimes we ask questions to God out of disbelief. Sometimes we ask questions to God out of doubt. But that's not what was happening here with Mary. Mary's question was actually very different. She was saying, if I could just use my own words, how is this going to materialize? This is something very unique. How is this going to materialize? I'm a virgin. Show me how this is going to happen. Tell me. I'm here to serve. I'm here to be written into the story. I'm here to be the servant of the Lord. How's this going to materialize? You know the words. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. See, that's how God works. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. He's going to overshadow you. How do you think this outpouring and this, this awakening and revival is going to happen? It's called an overshadowing of the Holy Spirit upon America. The Holy Spirit is going to hover the Holy, are you with me tonight? A few more minutes. I need a few more minutes. I need you to be alive. I need you to be at attention. The Holy Spirit is going to move, and he's going to hover, and he's going to overshadow. It's already happening. There is an awakening. There is a stirring that is brewing, brewing up right now that the God is moving across this the coastlands to the California coast. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's overshadowing this nation, getting us ready for something extraordinarily supernatural. For with God, nothing will be impossible. God's just saying, I'm going to show off. I'm going to show myself to be all-powerful. I'm going to show myself to be all-knowing. My purpose is going to prevail because I'm in charge. Mary's response is so beautiful. It's faith and agreement with her role in God's plan. She just says, I'm all in. She says, amen, I'm all in. And you know what? That's the secret of flowing in the Spirit. You don't just say yes to God when you feel goosebumps. You don't just say yes to God when there's a powerful swirl in a meeting and the worship and the atmosphere just feels right. Every day, have an anticipation in your spirit, God, I'm going to say yes to you. Not because it's adrenalized and it's just, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be so magnificent. What if God actually asks you to do something hard that's going to cost a lot of sacrifice in your life. What if God asks you to do something that, that is actually going to put your reputation completely on the line? I did for Mary. We don't often talk about it, but she was the talk of Nazareth. And so was Joseph. I mean, can you imagine all the contradictions and the voices that were going on in that little village? It's crazy. Wow. There was a bumper sticker in the, um, in the 80s. It says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. That's what she did. She says, I believe this. I believe this. 
I believe this. Lord, yes, I will do what you say. Lord, let your Holy Spirit hover and overshadow me. Work through me. Come upon me. Use me. If I wouldn't have prayed a prayer like that, I wouldn't be in the ministry right now. I wouldn't have received the voice of the Lord speaking to me at 13 years of age and calling me into the ministry. I'm glad I said yes. Reasons that the angels show up. They also show up to worship and glorify God. Angels show up to worship and glorify God. I say this all the time to us. And I'm going late tonight, and that's okay. I'm going to end by midnight, I promise. Angels come to worship and glorify God. I say this all the time. We get in the building sometimes. We get in the building and we're just, it's like we're stuck in virtual reality, like we're just in this little church on Richardson Road, but we're not. We're here before the throne of God. This place, did you know that this campus is not holy? Do you know that that powerful, Catholic, beautiful edifices, churches, those grounds are not holy? Do you know how this place becomes holy? When you and I arrive. This place becomes sacred when you and I arrive because we are carrying the presence of God. This place becomes consecrated unto God when we arrive and when we get worshiping. And what happens is, is angels show up to worship and glorify God. The Lord, if the Lord one night would just move in here corporately and pierce our virtual reality and let us see into the unseen realm, there are angels in this place that are worshiping with us. There are angels that are building this altar that when Connie came in from Washington, D.C., and she is a seer prophet, how they were taking our worship and building an altar it, uh, uh, unto the Lord in this place, and the colors of, of our worship were ascending before the, God, before the Lord. Do you remember that? Angels come to worship. They come to glorify God. They come to be in the midst of our praises. God dwells in the praises of his people. But in the New Testament, God not only dwells in the praises of his people, he dwells within the people of his praise. Angels, mighty angels, were created to worship God Almighty. Several years ago, Dear friend of ours, Tommy Tenney, gave me a call, and he wanted me to fly up to St. Louis, Missouri. And we met with just about 40 ministers at a, at a private gathering. It was so powerful. In that meeting, I was standing in the back of the sanctuary. And as I opened my I had went in the back during worship. Like I said, we're in a large sanctuary, but there were 40 people in there, ministers. And when I opened my eyes, 
I was seeing an angel, a huge angel, 20, 25 feet high on the right side. As looking at the pulpit, it was on the right side standing. And the, the materialization of the angel was not complete, but I could see its form. And I stopped, and I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm really seeing that. And I kept my eye right on it as we were worshiping. And I saw it move slowly and went right back into the back corner and just stood there. It was huge. Angels are here tonight. They're here tonight. Revelation 4 and 8. The four living creatures, each one having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was, who is, and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. They don't stop doing this. It's awesome, isn't it? They stand before the presence of God. They're in all of the glory and the wonder of Almighty God. I wonder at this Advent, do we recognize tonight? We know that Jesus was the one to come. Jesus was the one who came and be, he became Emmanuel. But Jesus is coming again. Triumphantly, he is coming again. The risen Christ is coming again. I ask you this Christmas, are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? Are you ready for the trumpet of the Lord? Are you ready for the king coming with his angels? There is an urgency. There is an urgency. There is an urgency in this crisis hour. There is an urgency. And the spirit and the bride is really crying out, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm about to finish with my last scripture tonight. I want you to turn to it. And it's found in Mark chapter 13. Before I close and we open the altars tonight. Cody, I'd like you to come, please. Thank you. Mark 13, these are the words of Jesus. It says, and then he will, verse 27, then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest parts of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. Hear this tonight. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth its leaves, you will know that summer is near. Now who does the fig tree represent throughout Scripture? It's, it's Israel. We know that, that the vine, the vine in Scripture, it actually represents um, Israel's spiritual privileges, okay, through covenant. When he speaks of the fig tree, it's a symbol of Israel's national privileges. When he speaks of the olive tree, it's a symbol of Israel's religious privileges. Listen to this. When the branches already become tender and put forth as leaves, you will know that summer is near. 
Now, again, we are living in an age, a time, May 14th, 1948, when Israel became a nation again. Isaiah 66, verse 8. Isaiah 66, verse 8. What does it say? It says, Shall a nation be born in a day? Yet when Zion travailed, she brought forth her sons and daughters, or brought forth her children. Suddenly, what had been missing from the earth for 2,000, for 2,000, we're just, we're just thinking about the lining up of Jupiter and Saturn right now, maybe 400 years, maybe 800 years. We're talking about the people of God wiped out, Israel desecrated, Spawned to the four corners of the earth, gone through World War II, and up out of the ashes. Just as Ezekiel saw the valley of dry bones, suddenly they came alive. They came alive. The bones started coming together, crackling, and then muscle and sinew came upon those bones and they lived again. Isaiah, he prophesies in May 14th, 1948, the fig tree became alive again. The fig tree began to bud. Israel became a nation again. Here we are, 73 years later, within a generation. Now watch this, watch this. Verse 29. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near. It's at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. That's powerful. That's why when you approach eschatology, the study of end times, when I approach the study of end times, of the end of days, I approach it very humbly. You know why? Look what Jesus said. The angels in heaven don't know. The Son doesn't know. It's been relegated and delegated under the Father's jurisdiction. Verse 33, take heed. Don't miss these words. Take heed. Watch. Watch and pray. For you do not know when, when the time is. It is like a man going out to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants. You see what he's saying? He gave authority to his servants, each to work, and, to, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the, cr the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to all, watch. Watch. This is, this is the most holy, sacred season in the earth when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We are in the greatest turbulence of American history, I believe, right now. 
we're on the precipice of something cataclysmic where we need an act and intervention of God. We are living in the last days, my friends. And it's not hot prophecy anymore to even talk about the return of the Lord. You see people, Christians just mocking the preaching of the return of the Lord. He's coming just as He promised. He is coming just as He promised. As we worship this year, as we set time aside, this sacred time to honor the birth of the Lord, what we need to do collectively as a family to be sober about, prepare our hearts for the return of our King. Be looking for the return of the Lord. Be ready for the return of the Lord. However that manifests, however that manifests, he said that he would come, that there would be a trump. <laughs> I knew you would finally awaken to him. Oh, here he goes, here he goes, yeah, Trump. <laughs> no. He said that there would be a trumpet from heaven. He said that the dead in Christ would rise first, and all those who are alive and remain, they would be caught up together with the Lord in the air, and so forever they shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming for a bride to take us to the marriage supper of the Lamb and celebrate His chosen beloved. bride to the marriage supper of the Lamb. He is coming, just as He promised. What I do, what we do every Christmas, we honor and celebrate His coming to the earth, but we also prepare our hearts. We look inwardly and say, God, let there be nothing in my heart or in my spirit that is offensive to you. Clean me, cleanse me, wash me, purify me, redeem me fully from head to toe, spirit, soul, body. Wash me, cleanse me by your blood that I might be righteous to stand before you unashamed. He's coming, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord is going to return just as he promised. says in Revelation that Jesus shall mount a white horse and it says that his heirs, his sons and daughters will also mount white horses and they will come to the earth and he will come as a man of war and he will slay his enemies he will slay his enemies so fierce that the blood will be up to the horse's bridle 
And then he will put his feet, Zechariah 14, he will put his feet on the Mount of Olives and the Jerusalem will break open in an earthquake. The topography of all of Jerusalem will be transformed and Jesus will break through the eastern gate and he will create his throne on the temple mound. His throne will come down from heaven into the earth and he will sit on his father's throne. Who's that? David. The son of David will rule in righteousness from where? Chicago? No. Buenos Aires? No. New York? Los Angeles? No. From Jerusalem. It's beyond our wildest imagination. It's going to happen. I believe every word of that book sitting in your lap. You know why? Because I'm narrow-minded. He's coming. We are racing towards the greatest epic crescendo in world history, in all of history. What am I doing tonight? I'm trying to remind us of an eternal perspective that you and I are written into an everlasting love story. We are not doomed to the ridiculous absurdity of politics. We are not doomed by these wicked people in our nation that have so grieved and vexed our spirit. We are not doomed to this. We have an epic unfolding love story that will never end. We're going to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's grand. 10,000 years from now, you're going to be very much alive. So am I. You're going to be looking great. I'll see you there. I'll be like, isn't this amazing? Remember when we were back in the old realm? Before we were made all new? Before we became a total new creation? You remember those days? Oh, yeah, I remember those days. Look at where we are now. And we're still worshiping and crowning him Lord of all. We're still ushering up and ascending before the throne of Jesus and giving him all the glory that he's worthy of. King of kings, Lord of lords. King of kings, Lord of lords. We are just passing through time, my friends. We are just passing through the birth pains of time, the ebbs and the flows of the waves of life right now. I tell you, there is an eternity of the kingdom come. It's racing towards us. So we prepare our hearts, amen. This Christmas as you worship, this Christmas as you give gifts, this Christmas as you cook turkeys and eat pies and eat sugar cookies, glory to God, I'm going to get me one. As you do all of that, enjoy it all. But let this fire be burning in you. My King is coming. My King is coming. And I'll be ready. I'll be burning. He'll keep you burning. You're not burning in your own strength. He'll keep you burning. He'll just keep filling you with fresh oil. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll fill you with fresh oil. And He'll be lighting you and keeping you burning in love. Jesus said, He said, beware of this. And I close with this tonight. He says, because wickedness will abound. 
it'll be growing wickedness will be just abounding the love of many will grow cold I don't want to be in that company where my love is growing cold I can feel when my love is growing cold I told my wife when I feel my love is growing cold I'm telling you what, when I go to God, I say, God, I don't want any part of that. I don't want that in my heart. I don't want that in my I want to be burning in love for you, God. We have been so vexed this entire year. We have been so vexed. We have been so afflicted in our own minds, so vexed over what we've seen going on. Don't let your love grow cold. Come on, I'm trying to be a good friend to you. I'm trying to be a good pastor to you. Don't let your love grow cold. Get with God. Let Him set you freshly ablaze with the fire of His love. You're His beloved. You're His bride. You're His bride. I'm His bride. You're His bride. You're chosen, you're beloved. Would you stand tonight? Do you have a praise in here tonight? you that your holy angels are here amongst us, God. When I was a boy growing up, we used to sing this song, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I don't know how it's been for you tonight as you've been listening to me bringing this message. I'll tell you how it's been for me. I feel a strong presence of the Lord. I felt a mighty presence of the Lord in our worship. And when I stepped up here to deliver this word, I could feel the strength of God's presence. He's here. I feel his presence. Would you lift your hands tonight if you feel comfortable? And if you don't, go ahead and lift them. Just in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, may your Christmas be crowned with the presence of Jesus the presence of the enveloping of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for those of you online too tonight. May your Christmas be enveloped by the Holy Spirit and the ministering angels of God. May the Lord strengthen you. May the Lord encourage you. 
May the Lord invigorate you, stir you, light you afresh. May the Lord minister to us in the realm of our souls, in our minds, in our emotions, the turbulence that you have been through, the, the, the warfare that you have been through. May you feel the Holy Spirit just bathing you, singing over you, washing you, cleansing you. May you be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. Be refreshed and renewed in your mind and in your heart. May this Christmas be supernatural. And may the miracles, haha, may the miracles that God has ordained and written in your story come to you. Come to you. I call you blessed. I call you the beloved, Victory. I call you the bride of Christ. I call you the chosen, called out ones. I call you the consecrated ones. I call you the blessed of the Lord. I call you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I call you those that have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Now you are white as snow. Hallelujah. Oh, I bless you tonight. We bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we wish you a beautiful, merry Christmas. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We love you guys. What a mighty night. Have a beautiful Christmas. Enjoy your family. If you're traveling, angels before you, behind you, all around you. If you're traveling, amen. And if you're not traveling, angels around your house and around you and your dog and your cat and your friends and do it up. We love you guys. Those of you online tonight, we bless you. Thank you for being with us. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com or download the Victory FLA app.